guys, I am joined here with one of my favorite ever people, my my great friend and an amazing fellow musician, Leo Freire. Yo, yo, brother in the house. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so dude, we met. It was it was when you were drumming for Wheaters on the Busted Arena tour in 2016. Epic, epic. SSC Hydro Liverpool. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember very well. It was awesome. Had a oh, really good it was great. Yeah, that, five uh, five years of friendship. You know what I they say? Know. If if you're friends with someone for over ten years, that's a lifelong friendship. So we're halfway there. Halfway there. That's okay. Good. I, I believe in us. I think we got another yes. five years. Cards. We got this. Totally. Killing it with your alien mug. I love it. I know. I I had a made a coffee especially for this. I should have had like a whiskey on the rocks instead because that that reminds me more of you. That's like your drink. Oh but, wow! Uh, like, coffee it is. Cute. Nice work. Love it. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome to the Bronny Show. So how are you doing? Doing really good. Uh, I'm talking to you guys live from NYC, New York City. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, currently springtime. So yeah. why don't you tell the listeners more about yourself? So where are you based right now? Where did you grow up? And tell them everything about what you do. Amazing. All right, guys. Uh, hey, Bronny fans around the world, Bronny listeners. I've uh, been a fan of Bronny for a number of years now, and I like to follow up with what she's doing. Uh, I'm also a fan of Mark, you know, so I'm very much uh, in the loop with the whole circle, which is great. Uh, I, I, I'm originally from Brazil. I'm, uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I, I play drums, piano, I play some guitar, I like to sing as well. Um, I also produce music, and I also uh, am a music director for artists who are going on tour. So I like to help artists uh, build a show for live purposes. Uh, one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but I met Bronnie uh, about five years ago, as she said, uh, when I was touring England for the second time with Weedus, uh, which is a band I've worked with since 2015. Um, and uh, we're all based in New York City. Uh, the band is originally from Long Island, but uh, we do all rehearsals in New York City, and uh, we do our tour prep from here. So, yeah, and with Weedus, I guess it's been six years already, 2015. Yeah, so six years ago, I started drumming for Weedus, and uh, here we are ever since. Yeah. <laughs> I should add that I'm originally from Brazil, born in uh, Brasilia, Brazil, uh, but I've lived in New York since 2004, so it's been... Uh, a number of years since uh, I've been based in the United States, uh, although I do try to go to Brazil twice a year. And Amazing. as a typical Brazilian, I have to be into football. Like, it's my favorite sport. I like to play <laughs> it. Actually, last week, I was playing football with some friends, and I scored a bicycle kick. So, oh, so wow. I'm pretty good at, at football, yeah. <laughs> Loving that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So yeah. growing up, did you have, like, a musical family? Or, you know, how, how did you get into music? Yeah. Oh, I, I have no musicians in the family, like zero. I'm like the black musical sheep of the family, which is great. Well, it's both good and bad, right? Like uh, growing up, uh, my well, in fairness, my parents like music a lot. Like my dad loves singing karaoke and he loves to blast music around the house. Love so it. I think from a young age, I always listened to music, which was a lot of fun. And actually... I remember the uh, the first artist I got really into was uh, Michael Jackson because one day I happened to find uh, the Michael Jackson double album for History, which came out in like 1995, 
that was uh, his second-to-last full-length album, which was both a greatest hits collection and a new album. And I found it in the house one day. I don't even know, like, what made me listen to it, but, like, I found it, and maybe my dad was listening to it or something like that. Um, and I got, like, obsessively into it. Like, I don't know what it is about the MJ impact. Like, a lot oh, of kids... Oh, it's insane! Right? Like, yeah. a lot of kids dress up like MJ and imitate him and do the dance moves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, like, obsessively into M- MJ. So much so that at the time, I was, like, six years old, um... My dad was working uh, in Tokyo, Japan. Like, what? What? How does it make wow. any sense? My, uh, growing up, we moved around a lot because my dad works for the Brazilian government. So uh, we were living in Tokyo, Japan at the time. And in Tokyo, I got into Michael Jackson. I listened to him a lot. And one day, my dad told me that Michael Jackson was coming to town to play at Tokyo Dome. So I'm like, what? And he got his tickets. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, my God. And that was the first concert I ever went to. Oh, so, what a first gig. That is amazing. In many wow. ways, it's all built, been downhill from there. Because <laughs> 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 how could you beat Michael Jackson, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I had an amazing time. And I still remember it, like, incredibly vividly. You know, I remember being, like, a child, like, singing along to all the songs and, like, looking over to my parents being, come on, sing! Yeah! <laughs> Dude, that's so, insane! So that was uh, my first concert ever, and uh, Michael Jackson was probably my first favorite artist as well, you know. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. I followed his career for many years. I, uh, mm-hmm. I have all the books about him. I have his autograph on my wall. Like, I, I bought wow. a, a, an autograph for me to hang on the wall, you know. Um, and I was very much looking forward to having a second opportunity to see MJ. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the This Is It tour did not happen. So. No. My, my kind of claim to fame is I met so when I went to Lippa um a guy I cannot remember his name for the life of me but um the musician who did the piano piece of Man in the Mirror um uh, on the This Is It tour and well obviously it didn't happen but um uh, and his funeral he came in and he he was just telling us about you know how obviously how nervous he was because he was literally about to play the the Man in the Mirror piano piece um, yeah. And he was just like, don't, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. But, um, but yeah, he, wow. he, he was amazing. Um, yeah. So last year, something pretty cool happened to you. So tell us all about Brian May. What happened there? All right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, in addition to Michael Jackson, uh, one of my other huge favorite bands of all time is Queen. I think I'm even wearing a Queen shirt today. Like Queen. Wow. Yeah. I remember seeing on your Facebook, was it a Halloween party or something? You went dressed as Freddie. Oh, Mercury. it's Freddie. Freddie. Yes. Loved it. it loved it. Good one. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. But, um, so Queen, I've been a big fan of Queen since I was, uh, I don't know, like 10 or 11. Uh, I was uh, always, one thing about me is I've always been fascinated by live concerts, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I grew up watching a lot of live concert DVDs and one of them was uh, Queen's 1986 Wembley show. Not the Live Aid one, but the one that mm-hmm. followed Live Aid uh, a year later. Like uh, once Queen played Live Aid, <clears throat> They got a big boost of popularity, uh, and they put together a world tour, which was a rebirth for the band. They're like, yeah, yeah. Let's do and there's a famous DVD of them playing Live Aid, which turned out to be their last world tour ever because Freddie ended up getting sick and so on and so forth. But anyway, last year in the middle of lockdown, um, I think it was like March, I want to say, no, maybe April, like April 2020. New York is locked down. Everyone's freaking out because the hospitals are getting flooded. Uh, 
all the gigs got canceled out of the blue. Uh, like the last show that I played was in March 17th that year. Um, and then the following week, it's like, yep, everything's canceled. Like I had all these gigs booked. I had some weedest touring booked for later in the year. Cancel, mm-hmm. cancel, cancel, cancel. And they were like, yeah, you can't leave the house. So here's some government money for you to stay in the house and uh, and goodbye. And it's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, hopefully this will last like a month. But then that month turned into two months and three months, mm-hmm. six months, and a year. Like, it ended up never ending until now, finally. But in the middle of lockdown, I remember uh, like trying to find things to do because <laughs> there's only so much you could do being at home by yourself. Like I live by myself. I don't have any roommates. I don't live with my parents. My parents actually live. Uh, uh, my mom and sister live in Brazil. My dad lives in Africa. Like so, right. no family nearby. Yeah. Um, so I'm by myself at the apartment. And one day, like I remembered, uh, maybe like a year before, seeing a video of. Uh, of of a bass player playing along to a drum video of Dave Grohl, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it was like a funny internet video or whatever. And I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, you know, he's playing along to a synced video of a famous musician or whatever. And then uh, in the middle of lockdown, I noticed that Brian May was posting very introspective videos from his giant, like, London flat, you know, he this giant home that he owns there or whatever, where he would say, yeah, folks, it's... It, it, it's sad to see that our liberties are being taken away from us and, you know, whatever, like, just a lot of, like, introspective talk. Like, I could tell he was a little in his head. Um, but as part of those talks, he would uh, do, like, little guitar play-alongs of Queen songs. Mm-hmm. And one of the first ones that he did was of a, a song called uh, Keep Yourself Alive, uh, which is off the first Queen record. Um, and then uh, I remember thinking to myself, wouldn't it be amusing if I created a video that made it look like I was Skyping with Brian May and like jamming in real time, like in this wave of Zoom and pandemics and whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I did it. Uh, and no one, definitely no one in the Queen world had done it yet. Uh, maybe some people were messing around with that idea in other places. But, you know, I, I that concept as itself, like of, of doing a jam as if you're Zooming with a celebrity was something that... I hadn't really seen in the capacity that I put together. So I did it uh, at home on my little electronic drum kit. Uh, after <laughs> after I did it, I sent the, the private video before I posted it online uh, to a few friends. And they were like, what? What is this? What? How did this happen? Everyone's freaking out. And I realized that, okay, this idea had potential, you know? So what would happen if I just posted it on my Instagram, tagged the Queen page, and tagged Brian May? and said like ah let's see what happens you know uh-huh. um, so i posted it and immediately like people in my private uh, my private followers liked it a lot and they were like bugging out like what what is this what how you know all these questions but uh i after like maybe two days it seemed like the whole thing was dying out like i got a bunch of views a bunch of comments but ultimately <laughs> i was hoping for for the queen people to see it right so I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens. I waited a few days. And I remember uh, maybe, like, on the third day, getting, like, like seeing my, my Twitter blow up. Like, notification. I was like, what? What's going on? And I saw that the official Queen page ended up sharing my video. So I'm like, wow. oh, wow. wow. That's amazing. Cool. Um, and all these people... Some people believe that I was actually jamming with Brian May on Zoom. You know, they're like, what? Oh, Love it. 
and many people like complimented Brian saying, oh, wow, look at how cool Brian is, you know, for, uh, I love the internet, like all those kind of generic, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. comments and stuff like that. But what I was really hoping for was for Brian May's account to, at, you know, for me to know that he saw the video mm-hmm. and, uh, for him to possibly like share it or post it on his stories or whatever. Um, and a day after the Queen thing happened, I remember talking to a few Queen fans that I met on Instagram uh, who had seen it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, Brian will definitely see it. Uh, in fact, like one of the girls was followed by Brian. Like she knew him personally or she'd wow. been a bunch of um, So a few, a few hours later, uh, I got the notification that Brian May for real shared your account or tagged you. Tagged Dude! And I was like, what? Oh, my God, what's going on? Crazy. Um, and of course, like, I felt very honored because, uh, I, I think I was the first account that he tagged. He went on to tag a few other accounts later as he saw that, uh, people were really into the idea of him sharing an unknown musician with his profile and all that stuff, yeah. you know? Um, but it was really, it was awesome, because, like, I, like, Queen is one of my favorite bands, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I really do hope to meet Brian May one day. And I feel that, given that we have this unique little quirky experience, that if I went up to him and I said, hey, man, remember during lockdown when you shared the video of that guy drumming along to your, you know, your guitar video? He'll he totally remember, remember you. He'll remember, right? It was unique yeah. enough in history that, you know, those things don't happen, like, randomly, you know? Like, they have to mm-hmm. be so specific, and uh, and I was happy that the stars aligned for it to happen then, you know? Dude, uh, that's massive. That is so cool. Yeah. And actually, uh, uh, following up on that idea, uh, Brian... Encouraging uh, other people to uh, play along to his video as well in a more formal capacity, and it, it ended up leading to like I don't know over a thousand videos of people playing along to Brian May jamming with Brian May. Love so it. I felt like I had a small contribution and uh, creating a little movement, you know, that yeah. uh, people enjoyed, and and it was also during a time when things were pretty bad around the world. Like I got a totally. lot of messages from people uh, in countries all over the world, Australia, all over Europe, South America, North America, and many people thanking me saying, oh, wow, thank you so much for the inspiration. Your video made my day. Uh, I, I wish you much positivity in New York. So it, for a small moment, it felt like the world came together for, you know, one minute. <laughs> totally. No, yeah. that's great. That's, that's awesome. And I guess like, you know, all the hard work you've put in to, you know, all your instruments and learning everything and obviously being a yeah. massive fan of Queen, that's just the you know, cherry on the cake, isn't it? Totally, totally. And, yeah, like, I, I love it when uh, genuine fans have a, uh, like, an experience like that, you mm-hmm. know? And, and with me with Queen, like, like I'm a, I'm a huge Queen fan. I also have Queen's autograph on my wall, you know? Like, I have a Night at the Opera love vinyl it. signed by all of them that I bought because, I like, it, it was important for me to have that piece of, uh, of Queen on my wall as a reminder of the inspiration they've given me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and following the Brian May experience, I also made a poster of uh, the share that he made, and I put it on my wall. Yes! Well. Oh, that's a great memory. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. I was yeah. in, um, oh, when was it? I think I was 14, 15. Uh, me and Mark went to see We Will Rock You. 
um, oh, in, cool. in the West Nigger. End, the musical. Yeah. And um, yeah. it was it was just like it was oh god a thursday night i think just just normal um and brian may on the last song came on stage wow. and did the massive guitar solo of uh, bohemian rhapsody and everyone was like what and the cast didn't know no one knew it was just he was in town and he, yeah he was free that night so he was like oh come on and play so that, that's a great memory i have of him that's so cool yeah um i really want to meet him one day like i don't know how i'm gonna Will, do it one day uh, yeah, yeah. If I'm gonna go to his book signing or something, or I'll oh, go to yeah. his event. He's also an astrophysician or astrophysics uh, PhD. Mm -hmm. So maybe one day he'll be doing a conference on astrophysics, and I'll show up. Like I don't know. That'll be your in. I'll yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So we are about to play our first game. This is the Would You Rather Musician Edition. Would you rather? So I'm going to ask you three would you rather questions and there's no wrong answer. So uh, let's go. So number one, would you rather never play an instrument again or never sing and songwrite ever again? It's a tough one um, because I'm an instrumentalist. Mm -hmm. It was hard, but I think I would say I would prefer it to never sing and songwrite. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, I also love uh, playing covers and I also love like playing other people's mm -hmm. music, you know, and for me to not be able to do that anymore would be like tricky, even though, totally. yeah, but yeah, tricky, but yes, that, that that's my choice. <laughs> Amazing. So number two is, would you rather play sold out 50 cap rooms all over the world in crazy intimate venues and you can play whenever or play stadiums around the world, but you can only play five times a year? Uh, <laughs> I would do uh, stadiums five times a year mm -hmm. for sure. 100%. Ah, yeah. totally. There's just something about uh, like, in, you know, from my experience, I've played all the small towns in England, you know, and I've played mm -hmm. actually pretty much all the arenas in England at this point too. Um, but yeah, like given that I grew up with uh, the vision of watching legendary concerts and seeing tens of thousands of people, those are still my favorite gigs. Yeah, so stadiums oh, yeah. five times a year. Great answer. So this is a good one. You can only listen to one decade's worth of music forever. What decade are you going to pick? Okay, I think it would be the 90s. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ooh, that, how come? Which is actually, you know, that's a that goes against Queen in many ways, so that sucks. No, but it would be the 90s because uh, uh, I grew up in the 90s decade. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the kind of music that... Uh, I listened to a lot, and I also feel like the 90s were a golden age for so many different genres. You know, you had the golden age of hip hop, you had the golden age of uh, alternative rock and or mm -hmm. pop punk, perhaps, right? Um, you had the golden age of like boy bands. Uh, totally. and, uh, actually, many of Michael Jackson's records that I love came out in the 90s. You know, like mm -hmm. I love his Dangerous album that came out in the 90s. Uh, History came out in the 90s. So. Uh, although it was a different style of songwriting and style of production, yeah, I'd be cool with the 90s. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same, for sure. And speaking of the 90s, I, do you know what? I have a feeling that this was the last time we hung out. I think it was when I was on tour in in America in December 2018, I think. And uh -huh. I had a few days off, so we went to New York. We hung out. I think we went out for dinner or something, and then you took us to yeah. that club. And it was like a back to the 90s kind of night, wasn't it? It was, it was. So uh, you were here, that was during the summer because I remember it oh, being Oh, was it hot. summer? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. It was summer, like 2018 or something like that. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, it must have been then. Yeah, but I remember that was a lot of fun. Uh, 
my uh, my friend uh, Charlie Z, who's this uh, drummer in New York, uh, he runs one of the one of my favorite uh, live shows uh, in the city, which is a '90s band called the Fresh Kids of Bel Air, and uh, they put together a very entertaining like best of '90s uh, and so best good. of '80s show. Yeah, with like costume changes. Uh, um, I've actually subbed as a drummer for that show a few times, and I had a blast. You know, oh, like, awesome. Hey, yeah, yeah, like getting to play Lit and getting to play Blink-182, Sum 41. Uh, and what, actually one of the reasons how I got into drumming was uh, because I, I, when I was in middle school, that's the kind of music I would listen to. You know, mm -hmm. like a lot of pop punk and uh, um, like so many of those songs had a very formative impact and on the kind of music I would first play, right? Like I listened to a lot of Michael Jackson, I listened to a lot of Queen, but I didn't really play that kind of music because I was mm -hmm. too young started playing when I was 12, uh, 12, 13 years old, you know? So yeah, 90s music gives me good memories. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, for sure. So you are currently in New York. So have you been able to, you know, recently get back into the studio or play any gigs lately? Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, actually throughout the lockdown, uh, my uh, a lot of people reached out to me asking if I would uh, consider producing them. Um, and over the past year or so, I've been involved in like 11 or 12 single releases, uh, which Congrats. I was really happy about. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I was really happy about because I, I really like to produce um, and I've been longing for opportunities to uh, like dive into production. I have a home studio setup that I invested in that uh, um, I practiced for like maybe two years before the pandemic. I was doing a lot of just practicing production and learning how to do it, you know, learning how to record vocals, learning how to uh, uh, record different instruments. Uh, and uh, I love to analyze music um, as a, uh, I, I also went to college for music. So, mm -hmm. you know, I did the whole music education background and all, and all that. But one of my hobbies was always to uh, like listen to music in detail and understand what it is that made music cool, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think having that analytical mindset towards music facilitated my uh, entry into production, you know, that and also just being good at instruments. Like if you know how to play an instrument, like that's already a huge help uh, when it comes to production because you know like what it's meant to be sound like and all totally. that. Um, and also having toured and worked with uh, experienced touring bands, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm also familiar with the, the standard that it takes to uh, be competitive professionally, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so for the fa for the past year here in the city, I've had a lot of fun producing a lot of artists in pop, rock, uh, hip hop, uh, even like Latin a little bit, you know, like Latin pop. Um, yeah, so that was definitely uh, one of the unique uh, benefits of being on lockdown. You know, it required everyone to transition to uh, different types of uh, creation modes. Mm -hmm. And instead of creating live shows, people focus on creating new music, you know, new recordings. So. That was really cool. Uh, and actually, uh, in November 2020, I did play one show in, uh, I want to say, like, no, Connecticut. That's what it was. We played a show in, like, the awesome. outskirts of Connecticut. Uh, I, someone hired me to play in their metal band. Uh, and we Love played that. in, like, a small, like, industrial, it was kind of Trump America, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we weren't oh wearing masks or anything like that. Um, and it was surprisingly warm for November, so mm -hmm. we we were able to play outside and it wasn't freezing and all that. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It ended up being great. Uh, luckily, no one got COVID miraculously. Like, mm -hmm. I was so surrounded by people without masks that I was like, oh, God, you know, there's yeah. like a 10% chance I'm going to get COVID from this. Mm -hmm. But luckily, no one got anything. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, now uh, the economy in the United States has been opening up pretty quickly, which is mm -hmm. great. 
Uh, and Weedus just announced uh, the band's first tour since spring 2019. Yeah, actually- tell us more about that. Yeah, we're actually going to be doing a tour of uh, the United States in the month of July for one month. Uh, we were invited to be a part of a tour called Summerland 2021, which is organized by a 90s band called Everclear, uh, an American 90s band. Um, and they invited three other bands to be a part of a four-band package, uh, including Hobastank, what? Living Color, what? And, uh, and Weedus, right? Um, so uh, we're going to do an opening set, uh, but we're playing some pretty big venues, so which I was uh, happy to see. Uh, it looks like we're playing three to 6,000 capacity rooms. So That's going to be great. Wow. Yeah, large amphitheaters through uh, small arenas, you know, mostly through the Midwest of the United States. But we have uh, one date in New York. We have a date in Boston. We have a date in Chicago. Uh, and then we head south towards like Texas and Alabama and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so we're all going to have so much fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it's uh, it's going to be a bit unique uh, from a weedist touring point of view. Also that we're going to have a lot of days off, uh, which I'm really right, excited. Right, yeah. Our schedule in the UK and Europe can be uh, very intense. Like oh, it's full on. I think every time I see Brendan, he is literally ill. <laughs> He's yeah. like sneezing everywhere and coughing. Oh God, I know, I know. He'll be able yeah. to have a little relax, uh, relax couple of days and off. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, whenever we're in the UK, we do like like 15 days in a row of shows, shows, mm-hmm. shows, shows, and then we have one day off and then shows, 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 shows. So for this tour, we're doing 19 shows in 30 days or something like that so far. Um which is great. So uh, there is going to be a lot of driving. One thing people don't immediately realize is America is like a geographic country, right? So some of those drives that you do are like 10 hours long, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, totally. We do like one 10 hour drive in Europe to get from like England to Germany or something like that. But mm-hmm. aside from that, it's mostly three hour drives, four hour drives, two hour drives, you know, maybe six hour drives, like when you're heading all the way north to Scotland or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, in America, given the geographic magnitude of what you're dealing with, things are a bit more uh, widespread, you know? Oh, so, 100%. Yeah, there's going to be some more driving, but we'll be on a bus. So, you know, hopefully we'll... I'm going to bring a microphone. I'm going to try to record on bus. I'm going to play some video awesome. games on the bus. All good, yeah. That'll be fun. So how did you meet Brendan? And then, you know, how did you start playing for Wheatus? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, so back in 2015, I was in my last semester of uh, grad school. Um, studying music education mm-hmm. and um, and I had been working with different bands uh, in the New York area trying to play out as much as possible I was also trying to be active on social media like posting videos of me drumming in different clubs and all that I remember when Instagram used to be 15 seconds long so I would find yeah. like the best 15 second clip Robot. Know, right and eventually it went to 30 seconds and whatever uh, but one day I got a message on my Facebook, uh, on my Facebook, uh, for, for Leo Ferry Music, which is my account. Um, and, uh, I got a message from a guy named Brendan B. Brown, who I didn't know who he was. And, uh, and he said something along the lines of, hi, Leo, I'm currently looking for a drummer for some recording and touring through 2015. Uh, we're doing about 40 shows. Uh, uh is this something you'd be interested in available, uh, for it? And I remember being like, huh, Brennan B. Brown, Weedus. And believe it or not, like, uh, because I, I, I grew up, uh, when I was in middle school, I was living in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Weedus wasn't actually that big of a band there, uh, including Teenage Dirtbag. So I have to say that I didn't really know the band. Uh, like, right. I didn't know who Weedus was, you know. I was like, oh, I see he's in a band called Weedus. Um, 
but uh, cool. It seems like they tour, you know, and I was really excited for an opportunity to tour on a, on a bigger scale, especially considering I was about to finish uh, grad school. You know, it was my last semester, like the timing couldn't have been better, you know, Totally. um, it essentially would have involved like landing a music job right after graduating, you know, with no gaps. I'm like, wow, this could be really cool. Awesome. And then I remember calling a friend of mine and telling him that, hey, some guy from a band called Weedis just hit me up. Uh, you know anything about them? And he was like, dude, teenage dirtbag, the fuck? And I was like, Yeah. oh, wow, teenage dirtbag, all right. Um, and then I realized they were a band from Long Island, so they were from New York, et cetera, <laughs> mm -hmm. et cetera. And, uh, and I, but the funny thing was that Brendan sort of uh, cold messaged me, like out of the blue. Like we had maybe two mutual friends in common, but I never had met him in person. Um, I never uh, had, had been to a Weeda show or anything like that. It was completely... Uh, Um, by chance. Although I do have to say that uh, this band that I had uh, that I knew of uh, in New York called Late Cambrian, I remember when they went on tour in Europe opening for a band called Weedis. And then Mm-hmm. I realized, oh, it's Late Cambrian, the band that Late Cambrian opened for, you know? Right. So Yeah. there was a little bit of that connection right there. Um, and, uh, and later Brennan told NYC drummer uh, in the search on Facebook, like completely random, and my profile was the uh, the first one to appear. I think because I had a mutual friend with him and the guys in Lake Cambrian, Mm you hmm know. Right. So, so even though uh, we didn't really like know each other, I was benefited by the mutual friend algorithm, possibly. Totally. You know? And uh, and I remember like going to meet Brendan. Uh, he gave me an initial five songs to learn, uh, which I had about six days to really practice for. And uh, we had audition number one with Brendan and Matthew, uh, the band's bass player. Mm hmm Um, and uh, it went for like maybe six or seven hours. You know, like we played through the songs, we chatted, whatever. Um, and I remember maybe Brendan was keeping his poker face or whatever. Like as soon as we finished the audition, he's like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, we're really looking for, you know, uh, a kind of player that uh, has a, a really big attention to detail and learns the songs exactly like they are on the record. And uh, and I don't know yet that you've proven to me that you could be that guy. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so uh, we agreed to reconvene in a couple of weeks. And uh, I took the opportunity to learn some of the band's more uh, obscure and advanced uh, material. You know, like some of the songs that are harder to play on drums and whatever. And I remember like learning a song called The Fall in Love off of the Weedis uh, Valentine LP. And I sent it to Brendan and it immediately like our, the tone in our conversation changed. So he said something along the lines of, uh, dude, that is very impressive. Your relaxation is way more precise. And, you know, like I, I can tell that something has changed in your playing. Uh, and the other thing he said was that my, your focus on this has been inspiring. Do you want to come in for another round of auditions in the next couple of days? So I was like, okay, cool. Let me look at my school schedule when I came back in. And we did a second round of auditions, you know, and that one was probably the best one yet because, like, Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a lot more comfortable with the material. I had also learned some uh, complicated material to show off my skills and whatever. Um, uh, but uh, uh, after that, we still had another two rounds of auditions. Mm It -hmm. was Right. like, wow. We had four rounds of audition in total, you know, where we played uh, each of them was for about seven or eight hours. And I remember after the for the final round of auditions, I left thinking that I didn't really perform my best. I was like, ah, damn, you know. 
Um, and Brendan, <laughs> and this, again, could be the poker face in him, he said something along the lines of, hey, I just want you to know that no matter what, it's been an honor knowing you and that I would love to hire you uh, to do some recording sessions, whether you become the drummer for us or not. You know, like, I, I want you to know that um, I consider you a collaborator for life. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But uh, we, we really need to make a decision. Uh, and, and either way, like, all the best out there, okay? It's been great to know you. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I guess <laughs> and I remember thinking that, damn, like, after all that effort, because I really spent, like, a lot of time to work mm -hmm. on audition, you know? And I remember the next day I had to wake up at like 7 a.m. to be in school because I was in the middle of the school semester. Yeah. And throughout the entire day, I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe it. It's over. You know, I'm not going to get the oh. gig. Yeah, which was so like disappointing. I remember like, ah. Uh, but then out of the blue, a few days later, I get an email from Brendan saying something along the lines of, hey, uh, please learn the following 20 songs and I was like what the heck okay and then he was like by the way can you chat on Friday at 2 p.m. Uh, for a phone call I'm like okay cool so that's when I thought okay I mean he sent me a bunch of songs and mm -hmm. you know whatever, whatever I think I got the gig and uh, Friday at 2 p.m. came by and uh, you know poor Brendan Brendan was under a lot of stress at that time like organizing the tour like everything mm -hmm. was very intense and and, and he already is an intense person, as you've seen in, in real life, you know. But I remember, like, our, our call being, hey, man, so many things have happened in the 24 hours. You know, you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that just happened. Yeah, things are so crazy. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. oh, but as of this point, I would like to hire you as the drummer for Weedis. Ah, oh, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I was really happy. Uh, we began rehearsal shortly afterwards. And a few months later, I played my first show uh, with Weedis in Germany at Amazing. a festival in a little town called Trebier in mm -hmm. front of 4,000 people. And that was like the first show and, you know, boom, off to the races we went. Amazing. And yeah. we just, oh, it's such, you guys play insane. Like, I love how you, you're all in the round and you can all see each other on stage. And yeah. what I love is the uh, crowd par, uh, participation, you know, when they just shout out songs. And there's no set, you know, set list. It's kind of right. just it, it, anything, it really. It's great. It definitely makes uh, the live show uh, time-consuming to prepare for, right? Mm. Oh, totally. Yeah, Truffles yeah. will always be my favorite song. Love uh, it. And I remember your uncle really likes that song too, right? Yeah. What's your uncle's name again? Paul. Paul, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Paul. Every time I've seen him at a concert, he's always like, yeah, Truffles first, you know? Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, it's Mark's favorite song as well. It's just the lyrics. Nice. It's hilarious. Love <laughs> it. It's been so good to have you on the show. Is there anything else you want to add? That's kind of it. I, you know, I wanted to say thank you again, Bron, for featuring me on the show. It's been great. I love following you on social media. I'm loving the new releases. I also saw that you thank have you. a new tour planned. Like, what? Yes. Awesome. So, so sad. That's in January? January, yeah. January 2022. Feels so weird. 2022. Where can uh, people find you on social media? Amazing. So I'm on social media uh, under the uh, the username at Leo Freire Music. L-E-O-F-R-E-I-R-E -E Music. And uh, you can find me on uh, uh, all the socials, Instagram, Facebook. I even have a TikTok that I posted some videos on love a couple uh, months ago. Uh, I love TikTok. 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 Um, but yeah, hit me up. I'm always uh, happy to chat with fans. If you have any questions about music or drumming or Weedis or, uh, uh, or you know, good tour food or traveling around the world, that's me right there. Yeah. Love it. Leo, uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Bronnie. This is Bronny on KCC Live. Follow Bronny everywhere.
at Bronny Music.